You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right. Good morning, Asbury University. My 81-year-old mother in Texas is watching online, and so I'm glad that she'll be able to hear your response. She's like, I want to hear you preach. Now, mind you, she goes to my church every week, so she hears me preach all the time, but you know how mothers are. And so, hey, I I need to do some icebreaker stuff just so I know who I'm speaking to. You can learn a little bit about me. If you don't like this idea, don't blame me. Blame the Lord. How's that? (laughs) I I, I just, I'm going to ask you like 10 quick questions, and uh, the first five, they're, they're pretty shallow. But if you want to play along, the last five get pretty deep. You ready? I want you to stand up. I I want you to know about me. I'm the youngest of three children. If you're the youngest child in your family, if you're the only child, that counts too. Stand up if you're the youngest child. Just stand up. I just need to know who I'm speaking with. All you youngest children, you know how it is. We weren't spoiled. We were the beneficiaries of more parental wisdom. Amen? Amen. Go ahead and be, go ahead and be seated. Go ahead and be seated. Um, I, I, I grew up in the city of Detroit. At the time, it was over two million people. If you, I, I know that uh, when I spent time at the seminary back in the mid-2000s, uh, it was a small town adjustment for me to be in Wilmore for any length of time. If you grew up in a large city, over a million people, plus or minus a few. Stand up if you grew up in a large city. Just kind of curious who we got in the house here. Look around there. All right, that helps me to know. All right, have a seat, have a seat. Um, When I was a kid, I started playing the trumpet at 10 years old. That trumpet took me uh, all over the world, really, and I ended up playing in the University of Michigan marching band. Got to go to two Rose Bowls and a Gator Bowl, go blue. Uh, If you play a musical instrument, just stand up. I need to know where the musicians are in the house. Wow, look at that. Y'all are doing great doing great. Have a seat. Um, When I was a kid, I ran track and cross country for my high school team. If you, uh, if you play a sport, whatever you, how you define that, even if it's uh, like pickleball, um, stand up. If you, if you play a sport, if you are, if you play a sport. All right, that's good. Pickleball is the fastest growing sport. Go ahead and sit down. Um, Here's the last easy one. Uh, Because of my role as a pastor at a, a church that was fairly large in Michigan before I moved to Texas, I had a chance to travel all, was that for Texas or Michigan? I don't know. That was for Texas probably. I had a chance to travel to like over 30 countries because we had missionary footprint in some places. If you've traveled internationally, even if it was just to Canada or Mexico, right? Stand up if you've ever traveled internationally, quite a few of you. All right, go ahead and be seated. I know some of you are thinking, when he's going to get to the word? I'm getting there, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Look, back in 2010, my wife Petra, after we've been married 11 years, she got diagnosed with cancer and had to go through extensive chemotherapy. It was tough on our family, but she's a cancer survivor now for 11 years. Praise God for that. If you're, (laughs) thank you. If your life, your family life has been impacted at all by cancer, stand up. If you've had any impact from cancer in any way. Yeah, nobody likes to hear the C word. Go ahead and be seated. Um, About eight years into our marriage, God laid adoption on our hearts. And so the next thing you knew, Malik and Matthew at eight and 10 years old moved into our family. We adopted them from foster care. They're now 22 and 24. It changed our lives. If you have been impacted at all, your family by adoption or foster care or guardianship, stand up, stand up. I just need to know who I'm speaking to here. All right, all right, that's good. We can actually celebrate that maybe. Like somebody, 
I, I told my kids, tell their friends at school, look, your, your parents that were, you know, if you were born to your biological parents and you stayed with them, they were stuck with you, but we chose you, right? Like, we, we, you, you were chosen. Uh, anyway, um, in 2018, my dad, uh, my parents had moved to Texas years ago. My dad died unexpectedly, like here one day, gone the next, massive heart attack. He was here one day and then he went to be with Jesus. If you have lost a loved one unexpectedly ever, just stand up. I'm, I'm curious if you've ever lost a loved one unexpectedly. Yeah, he was... He was great and then he was gone, but I, I'm, I had a great dad. Go ahead and be seated. Two more. Um, our oldest son, Malik, the 24-year-old, man, I, I love him. He was good at lots of things, but one thing he was not good at was stealing, which means he often got caught. And so I told him, you need to retire from stealing. He's actually incarcerated, and he has been incarcerated for the past three years at a, a prison in Michigan. He has a parole hearing coming up here next month. If your family's been impacted at all by incarceration, stand up. Yeah. Thanks for keeping it real. Yeah. It is an interesting journey to get those collect calls from the prison and, uh, and have to talk to your loved one. Last one. If you've ever had a time where you've been hurt by the church, where you've seen feelings of bitterness forming about the local church, would you stand up if you've ever had a time like that? Look around the room, people. Look around the room. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you for participating in that. It helps me know you a little bit better. Hopefully it helps you know me a little bit better. I had a time in 2017 when I was preaching in a multi-ethnic congregation that had been predominantly white and had transitioned over the course of many years. I had been a senior pastor there since 2010. I had been the outreach pastor prior to that, starting in 2006 when I finished up at Asbury Seminary. Prior to that, I was a congregant there. I worshiped there when I was a young, newlywed engineer. And um, I preached a sermon one day where I committed the fatal error of telling some people that they weren't right about what they believed about the world because it didn't line up with Scripture. And man, some people got frustrated and they left. And uh, and, and it was one of those things where I'm looking at some of the people that left, and I'm like, wait a second, I officiated the wedding for your daughter or your son. I officiated the funeral for your parents, and uh, you upset over one sermon? And I felt this bitterness forming, and I remember when I had to confess that bitterness to the Lord, because if you have bitterness about anything, it will block your vision for the future of what God wants to do in your life. Today, I want to talk about the idea of loving the bride of Christ loving the local church. What if I told you you have been invited to a wedding? I know, you might not have seen the invitation come in the mail, right? I wish that I could give you the exact details on the day and the time, but the reality is no one knows the day or the hour of this event. No one knows when it will begin. There will be a dress code, and don't worry, you'll get fitted for your clothes when the event comes. There are going to be people there from all over the world. It's going to be a long, endless celebration with singing, shouting, and joy. We might sing ever be over and over again, because, I mean, that's what the song says, right? Your praise will ever be on my lips. And oh, by the way, many of you will be in the wedding. You know, what wedding am I talking about? I'm talking about the wedding of the Lamb of God, the one we know as Jesus. 
You heard the passage read from Revelation chapter 19, and I'll read it again in a moment, but I got to thinking about this wedding. I was thinking about my own wedding. There's a slide that's got some pictures of my people that are going to come up here. Uh, on the right, like your left, uh, that's the engagement photo. Me and Petra. Um, I met Petra two weeks after I prayed this prayer in my early 20s. I said, God, I know I'm not living the way you intended for me to live. The most Christ-like woman I know is my mom. If you help me meet a woman like her, I'll settle down and turn my life around. And two weeks later, outside the cafeteria at General Motors in Michigan, I ran into Petra. And my friends said I got petrified, right? Because I, <laughs> I uh, stopped doing all the knuckleheaded things I had been doing. I stopped drinking and driving and partying and trying to be a player and all these things. And uh, we dated for eight months. And then I proposed to her. And then we took some pictures. And then on July 10th, 1999, and I, we got married on my parents' 34th wedding anniversary. And then uh, that picture over on the other end, that's the best family picture. You know, the last time that we got a family picture like that, that was uh, like Christmas of 2018. Uh, Malik had gotten out of prison the first time, and so he's the one holding Mimi there, and then uh, Matthew in the back. And Mimi, just so you know, Mimi's 10. Mimi came to live with us when she was four. We're technically her legal guardians. That's a longer story, and uh, I'll tell you one day if you ever invite me back to speak. Look, um, my my wedding, what I remember, I remember lots of details about my wedding day. I remember the pastor preached a 30-minute sermon, which is not the norm at a wedding. It's a long sermon. I remember that the photographer was a chain-smoking photographer. He had a lot of cigarettes that day. I remember that the weather was perfect, and I remember that the place was packed with people that had known us since we were babies. And the thing that I remember is I did not know that my father-in-law, my wife's father, had made a video of her, like, showing all these baby pictures and growing up, set to the tune of Butterfly Kisses by Bob Carlyle. Raise your hand if you know Butterfly Kisses at all. See, like, it's an old song. Not all of you know it. Butterfly Kisses is this guy singing about his relationship with his daughter, watching her grow up, and there's this part. Like, I had never heard the song before. And then there's this part of the song where he gets to her wedding day, and the lyrics are like, she'll change her name today. And that's when the waterworks just started. And people, she'll make a promise, and I'll give her away, standing in the bride room just staring at her. She asked me what I'm thinking, and I said, I'm not sure. And then it said, I just feel like I'm losing my baby girl. I'm like, what in the world are you doing? Like, I mean, like, I'm trying to fight back tears, but I remember. And then, and then, you know, he talks about she gives me butterfly kisses. That's those kisses with the nose. Anyway, Mimi gives me butterfly kisses these days. We felt a lot of love on our wedding day from people, from one another, and from God. But here's the question. Have you ever gone to a wedding of someone that you didn't like? <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been asked to be a groomsman or a bridesmaid by someone you didn't love? Typically, when we're in the wedding, it's because we love the people that have invited us to be in the wedding. Picture this wedding scene in Revelation 19. The scripture is going to come up on the screen. In Revelation 19, we're told that there was this multitude of people. And if you read the whole book of Revelation, we've already been told some things about this multitude, that there are people from every nation, tribe, language, and people group, that it's going to be this multi-ethnic multitude that's there. And they're going to be worshiping God. It's going to be diverse, multi-ethnic, multilingual. At, at our church, sometimes we, um, 
We sing in other languages. We'll sing in Spanish. We'll sing in Hindi. We, we love trying to sing in other languages as an act of hospitality to people in the surrounding community. We're told that that's, that's what heaven's going to be like. And, and, and so this wedding banquet is going to have this variety of people. And I might ask you, is that something that you love? Is that something that you look forward to? Or are you comfortable just kind of hanging out with people that look like you and think like you and act like you? And they're going to be acknowledging the lordship of God. Do you look at the words that they're saying about God? They're, they're worshiping God like the song we sang today, the great I am, hallelujah, holy, holy, the great I am, God almighty, all these things. And there's this threefold imperative in there. Rejoice, be glad, and give them glory. Would you say that with me? Just say rejoice. Oh, come on now. My mama's going to be like, were they there? Was there a crowd in the, in the room? Just say rejoice. rejoice. Be, glad. be glad. Give him glory. glory. Contrast that with complain, be grumpy, and seek your own glory. Friends, if you're wondering, like, what is he talking about? As you leave chapel later today, how many of you talk to your parents quite often? Just raise your hand if you... If you're, yeah, so for those of you who do, if your mama or your daddy asked you, what was chapel about today? So Pastor Kyle was talking about loving the church. He wanted us to love the church. I believe that it's gotten far too easy to complain, to be grumpy, for people to seek their own glory, and to criticize the bride of Christ. I can't envision with all the things I remember about my wedding day, I cannot envision in my mind's eye that moment when my wife was coming down the aisle to meet me with her daddy, somebody standing up and shouting out all of her flaws. I can't imagine it. Have you ever been to a wedding like that where somebody started shouting and talking about all the mistakes and all of the sins and all of the warts and all of the problems with the bride as she's coming down the aisle? Like, picture that, the, the most beautiful wedding you've ever been to, and then somebody stands up and says, wait a second, I... You need to know that I had a crush on her in the fifth grade and she rejected me. You need to know that she's got a sixth toe. No, I'm kidding. Like, that would be, I can't envision, but yet we've grown far too accustomed to just standing up and criticizing various expressions of the bride of Christ. Why rejoice? Why be glad? Why give God glory? The text answers the question. Because the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride is ready. If you're a follower of Jesus, and I know not all of you are, but if you're a follower of Jesus, I've been one since I was 14 years old. If you're a follower of Jesus, guess what? You've been invited to the wedding. You've been invited to the wedding banquet in heaven. And when you get there, guess what? Jesus is the one who evaluates the worthiness, the readiness of the church. I believe that sometimes we're harder on the church than even Jesus would be. You know, when we went through foster care training and we were looking to adopt, I remember near the end of the training, after they taught us all these things about um, children adapting to our home and all this stuff and the challenges we would face, they gave us a four-column sheet of adjectives. And they said, circle the adjectives, the descriptors of the type of child that you think you can handle in your home. And every one of the descriptors was negative. So imagine going down the list. It's like, likes to play with fire. I can't circle that one. <laughs> like aggressive. Mm, I might be able to handle that. 
medically fragile, history of sexual abuse, cruel to animals. Oh man, we had a toy pool and a black lab. You're not gonna mistreat. I couldn't circle that one, right? They, they had this list and when it was all said and done, we circled about half of the adjectives. And then I had this moment of conviction. And like, man, if God was looking at that list about us, he'd say, I'll circle them all. I'll take them all. I'd adopt them all into my family because he has the power to clean them all up. Friends, I wonder sometimes if we gave some descriptors about the church and the things that we can find that are wrong with the church, I wonder sometimes if we start, because we're seeking our own glory, our own preferences, if we start circling things, we lose sight of the fact that Jesus is saying, look, the bride is getting ready. If you, if you just lift up my name, you'll be ready. Like, if, if, you just, if you just do the things that I did, if you just tell the world about me, you'll be ready. Which brings me to chapel. Because you do realize that chapel is a part of the bride of Christ. When I say love the bride, love the church, I'm saying love chapel too. Friends, I got to tell you, when I was at the University of Michigan, being a knucklehead, studying engineering, I wish I could have had an hour or two a week just to come and refocus on what I knew to be true about God. And you know, when I got my first job in engineering, man, I wish somebody would stop mid-morning on Monday and be like, okay, everybody, come to the conference room. We're about to have a chapel service. In the real world, this does not happen. You don't get the opportunity to like pause and sing and reflect, unless you work for a church or a Christian organization that does chapel and not even all of those do chapel. Like this is a gift. And so recently in preparation for this talk, it's like God laid out before me some students who had some opinions about chapels at Christian colleges. I wonder if you find yourself in any of these. These are, these are like real quotes. I'm not making this up. I was talking to a student last week, just happens to be at a local Christian college in the Dallas area. He said, chapel doesn't have enough consistency. Too many guest speakers, so no continuity. I want there to be like a chapel chaplain who preaches two or three times in a row in a series so we can go deep on a topic. The reason students that I've spoken to, he said, don't like going to chapel is because the teaching is too inconsistent. I was like, wow, that's profound. But then I was at another Christian college recently, and this student said, I kid you not, chapel doesn't have enough diversity. It seems like we hear from the same people over and over. That's like the exact opposite, right? He said, if they would diversify the speakers, I'd be more excited to go to chapel. The reason the students that I've spoken to don't like going to chapel is because the teaching is too redundant. You ever felt that way? You can just like nod your, blink your eye, like if you don't want to get in trouble with anybody here, just blink your eyes if you can relate to any of that. A couple more. Um, one person said, chapel is too boring. As long as you're funny and not shouting at us, I should turn my voice down, students will listen to you and remember you. The reason the students that I've spoken to don't like going to chapel is because we get shouted at too much. Blink your eyes if you can relate to that. No, don't do that. And then finally, um, somebody said, chapel is too political. It seems like you have to know the right people to get on the team to make any changes. It seems like the people leading are doing things because they have to, not because they, they really want to, and it lines up with their heart and their passion. The reason the students that I've spoken to don't like going to chapel is because the teaching is not led by the Holy Spirit. Look, there is nothing wrong with an honest critique of the local church or chapel. But when do we cross the line from critique to criticism? And do we criticize the bride of Christ more than we would ever criticize an earthly bride. I just want you to 
love the church. I got some questions for you to think about. Do you love the bride of Christ? I'm talking about the church. Just ponder that. Even as you go off to class today, do I love the church? Friends, I got to tell you, I love the church. I've had my moments of bitterness where I had to confess some things to the Lord. And once I did, new vision, fresh vision, things opened up. Do you view the church through a harsher lens than God views the church? Are you harder on the church than Jesus is going to be himself? Have you gotten too comfortable criticizing the bride of Christ or those who serve in its leadership? Are you excited about the upcoming wedding and inviting others the opportunity to join you there? Are your worship gatherings a foretaste of the wedding banquet in heaven? I have a friend of mine who was dating, this was years ago, he was dating the woman that he would eventually marry. He, he had this new girlfriend, and we had been friends since the third grade. And he said he wanted to bring her by the house to meet me. And what he told me about her before he brought her by, he's like, she's a little goofy. Now, I was thinking, like, what does that even mean, right? Like, is that like the character from Disney? Like, right? Like, is, is that what she's going to do when she comes by? So he brought her by. I met her. They were leaving. He sent her out to the car. And he said to me, he's like, so what'd you think? I was like, she seems nice. She's goofy, like you said. He's like, hey, I can call her goofy. You can't. (laughs) Okay. Look, there's some things Jesus can say about the church. But I don't know if you and I were called to. I think we were called to excitedly look forward to the return of an awesome bridegroom. And we are the bride. Multi-ethnic, multilingual, multiple socioeconomic levels, multiple generations getting ready for an awesome wedding. Do you love the bride of Christ? I want to pray about that, and then the worship team is going to come and share a song. But here's what I like to do. We do this often in my church family. During the song, you know, oftentimes when you put a song after the sermon, it's known liturgically as the song of response. And that means, like, respond, right? Like, we often invite people to the front to pray during that song. Now, you can come forward and pray about whatever you want. Just kneel and pray. But it might be that something that I said pricked your heart and convicted you. Like, man, I've been too hard on the bride of Christ. I've been too hard. I've said things about the bride that I would never say to an earthly person. I've said things about the bride that I would never say to Jesus' face. I've said things about the bride that really... Only Jesus gets to say. Maybe you feel convicted about that. Maybe you've got some bitterness towards the bride that has hindered you from seeing what God has next for you. Friends, I want to tell you today is a great day to confess it. Maybe you fall into the trap of saying, ah, we got to go to chapel. No, you get to go to chapel because that window of when you get to is going to close very quickly. And maybe for some of you, You've heard a whole new perspective on the bride today, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You're not part of the bride. You're like, I want to be a part of that. If it's going to be like this multi-ethnic, multilingual celebration for eternity, sign me up. Today's the day I want to start a walk with Jesus. Maybe come forward and pray during this song. As I pray, the worship team can get in place. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak about the bride of Jesus to remind people to love the bride, that this wedding is coming that's going to be awesome and amazing. And God, what I'm asking is that in the moments ahead, as we sing about your greatness and your majesty, I'm just asking, Lord, that you would remind us that you are worthy of our worship and our praise. I'm praying, oh God, that you would speak to our hearts. I'm praying, Lord, that you would draw people to recommit to you. 
And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Won't you come as they sing, kneel and pray, stay as long as you want. I'm going to pray for us all after the song. Let's continue in worship.